Hey, welcome to the I Got Your Six podcast. This is Jesus Pereira, a.k.a. Jesus, the director of Veteran Services in Holyoke. And I'm here with Natalia Munoz. Natalia Munoz, news director for Holyoke Media. Hey. Yeah, we got to lower that intro a little. That's right. We'll okay. figure it out one day. We're right? going to figure this out. This is only our second time doing this. Episode two. Episode two. What are we talking about? Uh, lots of things, I guess. I don't know. Whatever okay. we come up with. Well, you know what? I was thinking I used to go to the movies every single week. And then COVID happened, and then also I got cancer. So even when COVID, you know, even when the movie theater started opening up, I didn't feel safe going into crowded spaces. Right. You know, remember, remember when super spreader events was like a phrase that was used a lot. Sure. It seemed like movie theaters were super spreader. Well, we events. lived the whole life of super spreader events. That's what? just how we lived. We just went everywhere and congregated and did things. We didn't care because we had, you know the means of taking care of whatever diseases were sort of passed on from each other. But I guess the big ones, when they start striking, we don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Gives us some pause. And we kind of well, you know, I have a friend in Puerto Rico who got COVID. And she's uh, 80 years old. Oh, wow. She already has breathing problems, respiratory problems, I should say. So it's very dangerous. So COVID still is a thing sure. to watch out for. Yeah, just like the common cold was and everything else, like for those who are compromised, you know, immune, immune compromised, you know, the less healthy we are, the more prone we are to get, you know, have a, a, a basic illness that we see today be sort of detrimental or fatal, right? So Yeah. You know, the you know you still see people wearing masks, yep. for instance. What are your thoughts? Your body, do what you need to do. Yeah. Your life. Yeah. And I think I, I, you know, we listening to the first first podcast, which thank mm-hmm. you for putting that up. I was listening to it today, and I, and I sort of believe that I have this sort of fundamental belief that do what you want in your life. Yeah. And hopefully we give you the opportunity and the means to do the, such things. As well, isn't that the basis of this Constitution, I the guess. pursuit of happiness? Sure. So my happiness may be different from your happiness, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to impose my happiness on you and oppress you. Like, right. Just as long as we're not infringing on someone else's opportunities like I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that well you heard what happened with target no okay so Fill me in. okay june is traditionally pride month okay. um, lgbtq plus plus ia There's, i don't even know what all those things mean right if it were up to me it would just be lgt i just don't see where bisexuals get oppressed i totally see where lesbians gays and trans get oppressed okay and that we have to work for our human rights but bisexuals i don't know i don't live that world okay no right? but so, but yeah i know it's, it's also like you know your body your your rules that like we were just right. saying i kind of went branched out there that's okay what was my point oh yeah so then target stores had these banners supporting lgbtqi plus plus a or whatever and some you know, some hateful people knocked down the signs. Aww. And then here in Massachusetts. Really? And then Target pulled those banners, supportive banners from their stores. And the Massachusetts Attorney General uh, wrote a letter to Target saying, We really encourage you to, you know, not to be, in a, to not cower in the face of hate. I mean, she didn't say it that way. She said it super right. politely. Um, Talking about freedom of speech here. Yeah. Right, a corporation. Uh, I mean, yeah, and I don't know how it works with corporations whether they do have, a, you know, the ability to have freedom of speech, but they do have. I mean, it's up to them. Target can decide what they put up and what they don't. Sure, it's just that it was very disheartening to learn that they got intimidated by. That happens you know, quite a some, bit too. This thing about intimidation. How do we stop that? How do we stop being intimidated? Or you know, we by, used to do that by beating up the person who was trying to intimidate us. But we can't do that. No, anymore, Jesus, right? we did not do that. What Is that you? what you did? Did you beat up the person who Me? intimidated no, you? I am, I am a, a, you know, a peaceful human being. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But right, I mean, I mean, you know, we used to have bullies. Yeah. How do you stop the bully from bullying you? How do you stop the bully you from bullying? You hit him. Absolutely. I'm you thinking strike, on you this. Strike, you strike at them, and I don't mean you know. Like you push them, you tell them something. Well, as a child, like you know, what what you had just physical means. I don't think you can like intellectually like work your way around being bullied. Bullied. That's right. right. But the reason why someone bullied you because they felt power over you. Right. And in order to take that power away, you needed to defend yourself. And at that point, then they think before they take a pause before attacking you again. So in this case, if you kind of fi- kind of figure out who it was who sort of took down these signs, 
Well, even if you don't find out who took down these signs, stand your ground. Yeah, stand your ground. Of of, you know, there's stand your ground when you have a weapon. You know, if somebody comes yeah. into your property, you can use your weapon and kill that person. Right. Why isn't there stand your ground when you make a statement? It's a peaceful statement. It's not a hateful statement. Who knows? I mean, maybe. I mean, who knows what the, what the corporation's thinking, right? I mean, there was a huge tobacco with Bud Bud Light. Yeah. Bud Light. And I don't know the person who they had representing because I don't follow that world too much. Mm-hmm. But I know there was huge backlash. And I've heard conversations on both sides as to why that was good or bad. And, you know, one is normalizing the looks of people and mm-hmm. who they are. And then the mm-hmm. other one is like, we're tired of things being thrown in our face already. Yeah. So there's the two sides of that conversation, which... Yeah, but then those people who say we don't want this thrown in our faces, it's like, oh, so you want to throw what you think in our faces? Well, you would hope not. So right? how about we go back to you do you, right? And I do me. And if you don't like the that there's a drag queen, you know, representing Bud Light, fine, right? You know, you yeah, don't as a consumer, you can go yeah, take something then, else. Yeah, get another bad well, beer. Well, that's the whole thing is people get like, we got to stop the fact that we're so intolerant. Is a, is a challenge. Look, the best thing we can do as Americans is just get along, support our economies, support corporations, support you know. What do you mean support our economies? Well, you mean like the local economy? Sure. So if we're in here in Holyoke, let's so buy from local merchants. Right. If you're here in Holyoke and you didn't like the whole, um, you know, banners being up there for supporting Gay Pride Month, and you mm-hmm. decide to stop shopping at Target. Well, mm-hmm. I guess that's your option, but you're also mm-hmm. not supporting local workers who are mm-hmm. working there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Which was also like the argument with um, Walmart that, you know, people, some people call it Evil Mart. And some people, I do, but I, I shop there. In fact, I was there this morning. <laughs> um, but there was this whole pushback among liberals saying, don't shop at Walmart because they oppress people. Their own employees have to be on government assistance. All these really good reasons. But it comes back to what you just said. If we boycott these places, then where do our people going to work? Right. If Walmart shut down, Walmart shut down stores in Puerto Rico and lots of people lost their jobs. Right. There's uh, a reality of like they're part of the whole... Uh, economic system wherever you're living. So although, yes, maybe some of the employees that they're paying are eligible for public assistance, yes, maybe they can pay slightly more money. But then it's also like when you look at the global or the the national economy, when we start paying, uh, and and I'm not trying to talk bad about anyone's job, but if you're paying a cashier $25 an hour to be a cashier, why would I want to go be a police officer? Because police officers get paid far less? Well, I mean, I think the or, or those jobs that have an equivalent pay, but more. more but they're at, very different. More yeah. at risk. Yeah. Right. But so the whole idea, well, I thought was, we pay people based off of their ability, mm-hmm. their capabilities, and what they bring to the company. Mm-hmm. Right. So someone who is, you know, an astrophysicist has a mind that's probably worth X amount of dollars an hour, because the work that they can do for you in that field is, you know, the the is limited there's limited um capabilities like the of people who can do that type of work but when you have a vast number of people who could do the same amount of work we're talking about basic economics here right like supply and demand supply and demand so there's an oversupply of people who can who, who can be work at a fast food joint i watched and, and for a while there i was really interested in in law and in, in you know, I was like, oh, maybe one day I'll be an attorney. And I watched a lot of my friends, not a lot of my friends, but I, I knew people became attorneys. For a long period there, I was making more money than some of our city solicitors as a department head in the city. And I wasn't even getting paid that well. Mm-hmm. And to me, I thought that was disgusting. Someone who goes through and furthers their education, goes on to law school, comes back with a law degree, passes the bar, gets a job in a municipality, protecting the interest of the municipality for $60,000. That's a lot of money to me. You don't think that's a lot of money? Not for an attorney. Because of they have to pay back their student loans? Well, one, there's a, there's right, there's there's investment on their education, right? And then there's also when you look at what we're paying them to protect what? A municipal Perdóname, Jesús. Yep. Are my glasses crooked? No, they look Okay. Crooked. I they just put good. on my glasses. Do they feel um, they feel kind of crooked. Maybe that side's high. Just, just okay. How about now? 
I want to make sure I look good for this podcast. Yeah, so everyone can see how wonderful we look. But, okay, so well, you were saying solicitors have a lot of... Well, they have a lot of responsibility in the sense that they're giving out legal opinions, they're defending the city, they're taking legal action. When you look at what the amount, what that value is, right? I mean, they're trying to protect our liabilities in the, in the extent of whatever we can pay out every year. So you want to pay someone a good hefty amount of money and make sure you stay out of trouble, right? Okay, so if, so if city, so let's talk about Holio. If the city solicitors were making closer between 80 and 100 grand, do you think that would be I think that's where they're at pay? now. I think that's where they're at now. Okay. Yeah, I think so. There was a big shift when uh, Garcia came on. Mayor Garcia. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, I watched what happened in the law department, uh, uh, you know, prior to, to Garcia, and that was you know, people weren't happy. And mm -hmm. people were not getting paid a lot. And, you know, I think uh, at the time we had a young gentleman, I forget his name, but he was, um, did a great job. But he, oh, he, a but he went payer. Off. Yes. Yeah. He, Paul. He, Paul. Yep. Yeah. And he went off to the Cannabis Commission and then it left X amount of people left behind. And then people started taking off. And the problem with, with losing department heads is that you lose leadership. When you lose leadership, you lose employees. And, you know, mostly the leadership goes the faith in the department goes down, you know, the culture changes. So, you know, department heads really got to be the ones that shape culture, keep people interested, keep them motivated and keep the machine going. But they're also the ones that need to be make sure that their people are getting paid enough right. to stick around. Cause then otherwise, why would they stick around? Right. But I think right now they, they sort of, um, if you look at the municipal budget, there's definitely been some shifts in salaries and mm -hmm. they've attracted some people with some experience, mm -hmm. uh, people who used to be here and came back and then, I think I won. I think we have a gentleman who used to be a mayor, right? Came back, mm -hmm. and well, there's. Oh yeah, he used to be the mayor of Chicopee. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, former mayor Bissonette. There you go. He's an assistant city solicitor. Yep. Which is a lawyer. Right. Okay. So I think I mean, my interaction with them so far, and I don't interact with them a lot. Uh, other departments interact mm -hmm. with them quite a bit. Mm -hmm. They've been professional, helpful accessible yeah they always are i mean historically they've always been super helpful the, the city council relies on them tremendously tremendously yeah. and yeah they should be remunerated really well that's true and you're right there's some jobs that don't require as much skill or preparation but even those jobs should pay really well so if i'm working at a, a coffee fast food coffee place for instance anyone that comes to mind I would like to be paid really well. So if I'm working 40 hours a week there, um, I'm paying my, my, my debts, my rent, my mortgage, whatever. Yeah. I have a budget to buy food and to go, you know, entertainment from time to time. And right now those places, they don't give people 40 hour work weeks because if you do, if you give people more than 30 hours of work, by law, you have to give them benefits. They accrue sick days and vacation days. Yeah, which is a real, it's a real, call it a liability for a company, right? Like if they only make so much a year, they have to assess all that. So you have to assess. But I feel like coffee, fast food coffee places make tons of money because they keep opening places. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm taking a chance I would have to look at profit loss statements to make a determination on that. But I would say that we need to shift how we view employment a little bit. What do you mean by that? Well, there's certain jobs that I think are really designed to help people enter the workforce, mm -hmm. to teach people what it is to show up on time, work for somebody. And this is all this, oh, is, yeah. this right. is all meant to say, like, if you already agree with the fact that we live in a capitalistic country, this is the mechanism we have. This is how yeah, this is what we have. This okay, is let's how talk we're about operating. it. So, yeah. um, we're in the we're in the reality. We're not in aspirational right, stuff. Right. It, Okay, so, so entry-level jobs you're talking. I think these are entry-level jobs to get you involved with learning how to talk to customers, learning how to manage uh, situations, learning how to manage money. You know, being being someone who is uh, who's there to champion your company and talk well about them and move them forward because the prosperity of the company is what's going to shower and kind of drip down on you as an employee as you move up in rank in, in the company, as long as those opportunities are there. But far too often we're seeing... Um, one, people going into the workplace with a really bad attitude, not my job. Not yeah. my job attitude. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like we, uh, on the way over here, we ran into Minerva. Yeah. And we told her I was going to talk junk about her. <laughs> <laughs> but a perfect example of someone who 
um, came into our department in the veterans department. I think initially she was a clerk, part-time clerk. And I really emphasized like anytime there's an opportunity to learn something, do it. Yeah. And she mentioned like, well, you know, it's not really in sort of my, my job description and stuff. I'm like, yeah, but you know what it'll do? It'll make you more valuable. Mm-hmm. Because if you stick just knowing your skill set, mm-hmm. you're not worth the extra $5 you're looking for down in the future per hour. Mm. And and she did. Uh, we created a new position for her as a an investigator for Chapter 115 benefits. So we dropped the, the clerk's position. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, we're all clerks nowadays. We're all taking phone calls and we're all just filing like we all do that that's all part that's what we all do mm-hmm. um she became an investigator for our chapter 115 benefit which helped her engage with the with the local veterans and their families you know get people public assistance you know i mean she got to know people by name and you know then you build a report with people it was great uh then at one time she even got accredited to do va claims you know pass a couple exams and stuff mm-hmm. and that started building her confidence i think right these, mm-hmm. are, these are my opinions mm-hmm. but then a position came open in the auditor's office that paid her quite a bit more than what I could pay her. Mm-hmm. And I just said, apply. Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. And I don't think in her wildest dreams she would have ever done that. Yeah. But it's, you know, we... You mentored her. As, That's as the other should. thing that, that uh, we all have to do. And not just top to bottom, but, you know, of side to side of just mentoring each other, encouraging each other to do exactly what you did with... Minerva, which was support her, encourage her, show her a picture of, of, of opportunity yeah. that maybe she hadn't thought about yeah, before. So, and then we had Stephanie after her mm-hmm. who did the same thing. <laughs> oh, so people keep, so basically veteran service, entry-level job. So basically any, any woman who comes into my life leaves. <laughs> okay. Which is, which is a, a theme, right? <laughs> but in this case, you encourage them oh, absolutely. to pursue opportunities where they can be better off financially. Sure, and that and that is a, a true, a, like a true reflection of my personal feelings about my upbringing and being here. And and you know, we talked about like in my insecurities. It's like no, get out there, try these things. You're definitely capable. And it also helps that you meet a lot of people who are just incompetent <laughs> in know. positions that oh they should God. not be in. And and it's don't get me started. Well, I'm gonna after you finish, <laughs> I'm gonna go. No, but it, it's you see it, and these are some well-educated people, and they're like terrible leadership, terrible integrity, like no honor whatsoever, and, and just yeah. Like, and how do they stay in those jobs? Because you, what you were saying earlier, is just like a learn how to talk with people, customers, and we're all customers one sure. way or another, and it's like isn't it basic kindness? Isn't right. it basic? You know, like good morning, mm-hmm. may I help you? oh here's a pen or a pencil instead of you know to fill out whatever form instead and I'm not talking about any particular department in Holyoke City Hall I'm talking in general throughout my life what I've seen and on the phone department of motor vehicles (laughs) you know it's gotten better I remember a time when the phones would be ringing and nobody would answer them we would all be in this long line listening to phones ringing and there would be the state police because they were very, you know, very engaged and people used to take their, you know, exams for motorcycles and, and other vehicles. Este, and they were punishing. They were just, why are you mad at us? We, we, you know, you, our taxes are paying for you to have yeah. this job. You hate this job? Well, leave this job. You can't leave this job because you have all this stuff. Well, don't make it my problem. That's your problem. Right. Get therapy, you know, <laughs> light a candle that smells nice. I don't know, but just like, don't dump on us. We're here just to, you know, renew our license or, you know, whatever it is that you do at the yeah. motor vehicles. Yeah. But they're going down again. They went, they became better for a while. And now, you know, there are exceptions, but pretty much we all agree having to go to the RMV is painful. It can be. And, it, and again, it's it's culture. And then, and you have to follow the food chain all the way to the top. It starts with that person, man. Mm-hmm. That person in charge in the state goes, "Yeah, this is how things are going to be run." Yeah, and that's how it will be run. And then make people accountable, man. Fire yeah. them. If people are doing a shit job, get rid of them. Well, how about if people are not doing a good job? Then the, the manager points out, eh, "You're not doing a good job in these areas." And so, eh, if you're interested, I will help you get better in these areas. And 
if say six months or three months or two months go by or however many how much time and the person is still being um, that's if you have managers that are capable and willing to do that you but no but just firing somebody i mean this cancel culture we're gonna fire people well i don't i don't like this person. right so fire performance, them. performance um structure right mm-hmm. and that makes sense the military has it quite a bit right mm-hmm. every every year once you become a non-commissioned officer they'll they'll review your performance on different sections and they'll uh, they identify your weaknesses, your strengths, and on your weaknesses, you, you basically came up come up with a game plan mm-hmm. in, in a reevaluation. Mm-hmm. Now the reality was, your senior NCOs would hardly ever follow up on those things. But it's a great idea, though. Mm-hmm. Right? The idea is good. Like, hey, these are the things you're deficient in. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is how we can make it better. Let's let's measure that and let's see how it goes. I don't. I think that's a great idea. But if there's no follow up. Without follow-up, it's like you, you know. I saw these signs. I uh, was it this morning. Yeah, it's like a like don't park here because we're gonna do sweep street uh, sweeps <laughs> sweeps. ¿Cómo se dice? Street, street street sweeping. Street sweeping. Yeah. And there were several cars parked. You know where they shouldn't have been parked, and they, no one got a ticket. You know, it, it, there's no like follow-up to take you, it seriously. What you need to do is put your signs out mm-hmm. and then post a flatbed truck right next to them. A tow truck right there waiting. Oh, good idea. That's a deterrent. Yeah. Because you're right. You know, we were talking about homelessness and stuff like that last uh, last episode. And mm-hmm. um, in my, and, and, and you know, it's going to sound cruel, but in, in at the War Memorial, if someone leaves their shopping cart in the War Memorial or like in the steps, I call DBW to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You're littering. Mm-hmm. It's your stuff. Mm-hmm. Take it with you. Mm-hmm. I hate shopping carts to begin with. Mm-hmm. They drive me insane. Wait but a minute. When you go to the supermarket, you know there's a shopping cart? No, I'm talking about shopping oh, carts on the uh, street. Oh, okay. You know, it, it's it's a mile, 1.1 miles from my house to work. And yeah. there was one morning I counted six shopping carts on the sidewalk, on the corner. Yeah. So look, you want your stuff? Protect it. Fine. Keep it. Mm-hmm. Don't just dump it in the corner of the War Memorial because it will be, I will toss it okay. in a heartbeat. Okay. You know? All right. But, but you know what that does? What? It creates a human behavioral pattern. That person, next time that they have their their stuff in the cart, they're not going to leave it at the war memorial. Right. So just like when there's signs, hey, don't park here, street sweeping, and you start towing cars, people will stop parking there. Yeah. So, you know, it's follow-up with, it's like, you know, those empty threats from parents. Yeah. That shit doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) When my my dad said he was going to, you know, spank me, I knew it was coming because there was never any empty threats with that man. Oh, no. You know, so. I don't think, I don't think children should be hit. I don't think children should be hit and I don't think children should be spoken to harshly, like with curse words. I think, yes, sometimes you have to scold a child uh, to say, uh, don't cross the street without looking both ways. And if you cannot learn to look left and right, then I'm going to hold your hand. And it doesn't matter how old you are, we're going to hold hands until you yeah. get that right. Instead of, I've seen, I've seen mothers, and it's usually mothers, because the fathers disappear. Mothers hit their children, scream at their children. Their child is already crying, and then they're hitting them some more. Because they're crying. Because they're crying. <laughs> And it's to me, it's cruelty. It's just absolute cruelty. I one time told a mother who had called her child, eh, un hijo de la gran puta, mm-hmm. no le hables así. Mm-hmm. Porque si él es el hijo de la gran puta, ¿quién eres tú? Right. You know? La puta. <laughs> you must be la puta in this picture. This was in uh, Macy's uh, in New York City uh, years and years ago. And that has a lot to do with, I th- again, these are all my opinions. It's... We know when, when all of are, this is your opinion. You don't people, have to apologize people, for having opinions. When are people having children? Right. What's their economic status? What support systems do they have? You know, because how we behave towards each other has a lot to do with how we're behaving in our community. That's right. Right. So if you're from one of these communities where uh, the basic language is foul mouth words, which I use a lot, by the way. Um, and, and, and we know it's being recorded <laughs> <laughs> and you're fighting physically like you know that should mm-hmm. be your normal behavior in your culture then i think that that's what you kind of in your family culture you mean yeah huge. yeah well i think like for instance bullies have been bullied yep bullies have a lot of pain i'm not excusing their behavior i'm just looking at them from the outside and i have been someone who has been bullied so in school and that is years ago but that that pain informed me 
as I grew up. Este, and so what's happening in their home that they're being bullies at school? And that's, I mean, I don't want to put this on teachers because teachers are there to teach, not right. to raise children, though obviously they also raise children. Yeah, este, they do. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't, I just, I think it should be intolerable as a society. I remember when I first este, moved here, they were um, to Massachusetts, Western Mass, and speaking with other Puerto Ricans, it was, oh, the state doesn't allow us to raise our children. It doesn't allow us to discipline our children. I said, what do you mean? Like, we can't hit them. I said, well, that's good. That's really good. I'm glad the state says you can't hit children. But it's like, why in the world would you, like, complain that you can't hit your child? Yeah, which is, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. For, for me, like, it's, it's the only thing I knew. Okay. With discipline, okay. right? Like, growing up, that, that was. I know, being, la chancleta. I being know. struck meant that you did something wrong. Or at least in the eyes of your parents, right. right? And um, and I'll tell you that my, my siblings um, raised their children without striking them ever, and yeah. it worked out. Yeah, because <laughs> so. also being, because I was um, also este, hit by my father, and um, what that taught me is that I didn't have value. Oh. That it's not that I, whatever I did wrong was must have been so wrong that I must have been like the biggest, you know, asshole in the world. And one time, it, the the big uh, the big punishment was because I had my elbows on the table, and he said, "Take your elbows off the table when we're eating." And then, of course, I was just an adolescent, you know, right. learning to be independent, and I didn't take my elbows off the table. And that what ensued was tremendous violence. And there, you know, that's the kind of situation where. Oh, he should have been arrested and sent to an anger management program. Which I don't, I don't think works, by the way. Oh, you don't? No. No. I had to go through it. You did? Oh, yeah. And it didn't work for you? I don't think, well. You don't seem like a, like a, a violent person. Are you violent? I'm 44 years old. I'm tired now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're spent. Your anger has been used up. I've used it. No, I okay. think it took a lot of life lessons to get me to where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of my, you know, especially my brother and, uh, one of my sisters, I've seen me fight and argue, and you know, it's like it was something again, it was something that was normalized in my life, so right, did it quite a bit, right? Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's I think it's the beginning stages of learning about yourself, mm-hmm. why are you responding the way you are to things, mm-hmm. um, which then takes you down the road to realize like you need therapy, man, right. you need someone who really understands you, and then. That process, like finding the right therapist, could take years. Definitely. Right. And also identifying, like, when you're feeling a certain way, like, all of, a, all of a sudden, I'm so mad. I'm so enraged. I'm just like, oh, that should be then the red flag that says, okay, stop. You know, slow down. What? Why are you feeling this way? Right. The same way, like, if you have an anxiety attack, it's just, oh, why do you think you're having? We don't always know in the way that we don't always know what is the root of our anger. You know, I've been in therapy for many years and I've been finding out the root of my anger, even to this day, to different angers. So, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause it's not just this one angry thing. It's, it's several things. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I mean, but it takes forever. It takes it years. T- what's a lifetime. However yeah. long we, we are blessed to live, you know, so there's a new middle school that's going to be built here. Ground is going to be broken. Oh, yeah. You were in just at the uh, the press, press conference. conference. Nice. And in this fall, there's going to be gr- a groundbreaking Where's with the Peck it? School. Oh, Peck. They're going to demoli- demolish the oh, Peck good. School, get good. rid of that. And then a very beautiful building is going to be built. It's a, it's not cookie cutter. I shouldn't say it that way, but that's the only phrase. that. It's a model that's already been built in other sure. places. And that's so it's got the same design. And... It's going to have like lots of great programs, artistic art programs, you know, science programs, math programs. You know, it's just going to be like a very vibrant place for the middle school students. But that is not the solution if they return to homes where they are beaten, where they're spoken to harshly, where they're neglected, eh, abused. Eh, all of that won't make a difference because it has to be a holistic thing. It just can't be that the school is the place where the parents. 
And this is where I go to fathers. It's um, not all fathers, obviously, but the majority of fathers abandon their children. And we know this by the census because the majority of households are run by the mothers. The mother is the head of household. And it's not, and that's an antiquated way of seeing things because a, so a father doesn't need to be there to be head of household, but the father is disappeared from the lives of many children. And, you know, guys just go around impregnating 16-year-olds and, you know, 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds, and it's all, cons- you know, for the most part consensual, but when the pregnancy happens and the birth happens, who is there at that moment? The mother and her mother, because it's probably her mother that's going to raise the child with the with the daughter. And we're and we're so we as a, as a society, we don't call into account fathers to be present. And if you don't want to be present anymore, well then show us the money. Yeah and help pay for the education of yeah, this child. And obviously being a male who fathered a child at the age of 16, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to be said. Now, mind you, at the time, the person I was dating was a high schooler. She, you know, she was like 18, which is about to get out of high school, mm-hmm. and from a whole other city. But um, mm-hmm. getting back to the families and getting back to the homes, we gotta treat, we got to teach the young ladies that the, they're, they're valued. Right. They, they, that their body is worth something beyond sexual pleasure and that they're here for a lot more than that and to not just lay in bed with any man. Well, the, the, I mean, it's a, it's a two thing because bodies can be used for sexual pleasure. I mean, that's you, you have agency over your body. So these girls that want to have sex, great. With these boys, great. But if she gets pregnant, well, we're, that, that boy has to show up Right, and, and it, that think, boy can't just say. I mean, I'm, I know that you were very young when the, you became a father. Yeah. What were the challenges then? Well, the challenges for me was figuring out what the hell I was going to do to support a child. Yeah. Because in my mind, I was not looking to escape that situation. Mm-hmm. Like I was, um, I was trying to figure out how do I play my traditional role in this in this sort of equation I put myself in. Mm -hmm. How am I going to provide for this family? How am I going to earn money? How am I a skill set that's going to pay me enough money to take care of this family? But meanwhile, fighting the fact that I'm 16 years old, I'm an angry young man who likes to fight and get into problems with people. And, you know, so that, that in itself was, was challenging. Um, And, and luckily, and I, and I, and I, and I'll say that in my case, I had a village, my mom, my dad, my, uh, my son's mother, um, her family, they were all there to help support and raise his child. And, you know, that's not everyone's situation. Not at all. You know, so he had, not only did he have, you know, Puerto Rican side of his family, he had an Irish side, and then he had a Vietnamese side. So um, he, by the... By the, I, I'm, a, I'm a lucky individual in a lot of ways in many, in many aspects of my life, and this is one of them where he had a lot of support systems. So when I wasn't around, because there were times where I wasn't around, he had his, you know, a stepfather and, and his uh, mom or my family there uh, to help him through. I, 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 I want to get back to the young ladies. Okay. Right? It, it's a different conversation when we're talking about adults who are, who are birthing kids mm-hmm. and then the man's leaving. Or we're mm-hmm. talking about bonafide adults but children which i was a child mm-hmm. um we've gotten really free about sex really free it's like no problem no big deal and then for some people that may be okay but the people who bear the consequences in our community are the latina you know young ladies mm-hmm. you know the, the, the young ladies who are having children are the ones who who bear the responsibility and then they look at how do i survive well, we know the mechanism that they use to survive. Public assistance, um, get a GED, go get a job part-time. And you're a 16, 17-year-old child. You have no idea what you want to do with the rest of your life. You have no idea what it takes to survive on your own. You know, you have no idea how you're going to get to that end goal. Because everyone at some point wants to, you know, I would imagine own a home or have a nice car or go on vacation. And they go on vacation with their tax returns, right? Because somehow the math works out that if you don't work at all, mm-hmm. but you have children, mm-hmm. you can file taxes and get money back. Oh, all right. Well, Excellent. 
what sense does that make? Uh, yeah. Earned income credit, great. It has a purpose and a reason, but if your net contribution to the tax system is zero, you should get zero back. Yeah. You should be refunding to the you know the family of three or four who are working and yeah. of, you know who yeah. are producing and putting money into the tax. I had system. no idea that that was going oh, on. Oh, it's, it's insane. But you said something. I wanted. To, I want to follow up on it about the 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 girls. Um, yeah, adults. You know, that's adults are different. You're right. My mother was 18 when she was pregnant, mm-hmm. and then she had my two older sisters and me. You know, one after the other. It was like. It was like, uh, uh, you know, factory. The, the factory, yeah. you know, here are the donuts. And they, <laughs> <laughs> and so my mother was, she was a girl. Right. And then when, when you start off life, your, your adult life. Wait, wait a minute. How do I say this? I'm trying, my thoughts are being confused right now. When you're, when you are a young person, when you're still a child and then all of a sudden you have another child. And even though my mother had my grandparents to help raise us. Uh, you're still a parent, and that's always on your mind somewhere. Sure. And what a huge responsibility! And I can't imagine because I'm not a parent. Um, I only this is what I know. When I was 18, I didn't know anything, even though I thought I knew everything. Mm-hmm. And if I had had a child at that age, I, you know, I I gotta be honest. I think that that child would have been. I wouldn't have been able to raise that child the way that. Today, I wish that I, you know right. what I mean? Like, I would have made right. a gazillion mistakes. At 18, you spent 17 years of your life being a child. Yeah. And you only have the experience of whatever a 17-year-old person has. Yeah. And most of that, I guess the first three or four years, you probably don't even remember. The rest of it is a school setting and a home setting and play yeah. setting. Right. That's what you know life is. Yeah. You probably, if you're lucky, don't know about death or war or, or you know, famine or anything. Like, you you don't you don't know those experiences yet, right? Yeah. Great loss, yeah. Recovering from economic you know yeah. catastrophes, you don't know those things yet. No. So yeah, you. But when you're that young and you're given a system to use, and you latch onto it, and you don't have any expectations to move forward. But if the if what you need is affection and to feel valued, and the only way you get that is through sex. And the only way you're considered exactly. a queen is by becoming a mother. And you're just a child. I, you know, we can't, and I know we're not, oh, I, we can't put blame on them at all. For me, it's, this is a problem of society, of a village that doesn't tell its girls, you are beautiful, you are valued. You're capable. You're capable. You know, stick to learning how to do things, you know, learning geography, learning history, learning math. I totally get it if you don't get algebra, because that was me. <laughs> I didn't get algebra, geometry. I never got to calculus because obviously I didn't even, o sea, nada. There's yeah. nothing in math in me except, you know, two plus two. And that, and then how do you convince a girl to change the way she sees the world when what's been normalized for her is. Her mother's 15 years older than she is, and her father was nowhere to be found. And so, so that's 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 the great question, right? How do you break that cycle? I mean, we have the girls inks of the world, we have the boys and girls club of the world, um, but when you come back to your home and your hometown is filled with this, how do you change that perception? How do you change that reality? You have to shift it somehow. Right, but so going back to the middle school, middle school are these are important years yeah. for a, you know, child's development. It's super important formative years. I mean, the, all of the years are important and formative, but this is the sort of like the great leap forward into becoming a young adult. And what good is a beautiful middle school with great people, teachers, administrators, everything, if we're not changing the way society values children? Well, the school will be a tool. It's it's one step in the right direction. And then we have to make sure that all the other steps that lead up to that point are, are beneficial for the child. That's the hard part. How do you stop families from having children so young? How do you have how do you change the, the vision and what's normal around certain communities? Well some communities have. Like when for instance, uh, I've seen that in 
Japanese communities, Vietnamese communities. There's another Asian communities that, and this is backed by by research, by evidence, that these families are very structured. Yep. So the boys and the girls grow up yep. and they study and whatever they're going to do for work, they become adults and then they have children. Right. How come they succeed at this? Culture. And Latinos do not. I don't say Latinos do not. I say the Latinos here do not. Like, I, I think that we're talking about whole. But in Puerto Rico también is the same thing. Okay. So I'll take that. Yeah. I just, it's culture. Mm-hmm. And not so much, I mean, it, part of it is racial culture and socioeconomic culture. It's, 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 a, it's a mix of all of it. Mm-hmm. It's culture. Mm-hmm. We got to change what we value. Right. Right. I want a nice car with a booming system and a beautiful girl. Oh, my God. Did you? Yesterday, there was this guy driving around in a green spider type of vehicle. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the speakers. You know, he was playing awful music. For me, reggaeton is awful. Really loud. And it's just, come on, man. You want loud music? I have no problem. But I don't want to listen to your music. Going back again. You be you. But don't impose on me. Don't impose on. Yeah. It's like I play my music loud with my earbuds or my headphones <laughs> or when I'm with the, in the car with the windows rolled up. Yeah. So there's like socially accepted things. And I, so for me, I'm the same way where if I'm going to listen to like if I'm on my phone, I put in earbuds, mm-hmm. and whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's I don't think it's appropriate for me to have my whole conversation about my relationship with someone out loud in public walking down the street. <laughs> right. And people do this all the time. It's like, wait a minute. You just told the world that your man has a side chick. And you're just like strolling down the street. Like, why are we doing this? There, And that comes back to just integrity, teaching people how to value themselves and, and you know, be embarrassed once in a while. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe it's like not be shamed, but be a little bit embarrassed. Sure. Have some, uh, what is it called? A sense of dignity, dignity. for yourself. Sure. That whatever conversation you're having, keep it in your own world. Whatever music you're listening to, try to keep it in your own world. And, you know, as we sit here and make a podcast to give to the world, you know, there are some things that just should only be in your home. Yeah, but I wouldn't want anybody playing our podcast, your podcast, sorry, way loud, going up and down the street. I get it. What I'm saying is, like, there's people who should just keep certain conversations in their sphere, in their life, or, you know, in everything else. So. When I hear, now, I was a kid who drove down the streets of Holyoke with my loud system, too. I did Why, that. Why, Jesus? Why'd you do that? Oh, it's very simple. Why? Women. You think that that <laughs> attracts girls? Did that attract girls? Oh. Did girls, like, turn around and say, yeah? Depends on what music you're playing. Oh, they'll okay. Start dancing. <laughs> listen, you, it, it's like this conversation of, like, why do men have toys? Why do men have cars and boats and airplanes? Because yeah. of women. Oh, it's well, all that, comes that, that, that's all it comes down to. For uh, well, at least the straight men, I would say. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if you're heterosexual and you're trying to attract the opposite sex, yeah, you do it by um, with with, w- with things, vehicles. Yeah, because probably because some, some of us lack uh, personalities, so we have <laughs> items to replace that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I listen to uh, Jordan Peterson once in a while, and actually a lot. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say once in a while, mm-hmm. and he talks about hypergamy. What's that? Um. Dating up from your social class. Mm. So women are hypergamous. So women look for men of stature mm-hmm. uh, and, and success because they want to, you know, they're looking for that alpha male in their lives. And uh, I've seen that quite a bit. I've seen that quite a bit. Do women fall? Because I, I mean, I, at least in Puerto Rico, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, guys like, you know, just doing this sexual harassment thing, commenting on my looks. I don't know how that ever worked. So yeah, that, that, I mean, so I'm listen. a lesbian, so it's never going to work anyway. <laughs> but do do girls actually fall for that? Do they? It depends on how good you look. Oh so, my god! So so if I am a you know a ten out of ten, I got a buddy who um, I, I swear is the only guy I've ever been to an adult uh, entertainment place where the women took his clothes off. <laughs> right, he's that good looking of a man. Mm-hmm. If he goes up to somebody and makes a comment. Mm-hmm about their looks and their mm-hmm. clothes and, you know, make a sexual advance, they're flattered. Mm-hmm. If I go up to them and make the same exact comment, they're calling the cops. No. <laughs> right? No. It, it's harassment at that point. So I think it's about what we're allowing mm-hmm. and what we're accepting as 
a compliment. I mean, two people could say the same thing, but mm-hmm. if you're a really attractive person, it comes off as a compliment. If you're not so attractive, you know, then, then it's a really. Problem. Oh my god, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Trust oh, me, man. I'm, the het world is so weird. Oh, this world today is just out of control. Yeah, it, it's a different. That and not to say so that weird. you know women are out chasing men with stuff, but no, they, I know we're know, not talking. We're just there's, talking. Pl- there's plenty of women who have their own stuff. Um, but the, the well, I suppose that some women, het women, they like to display their feathers too to sure. try to attract men. I'm not sure how they do that. Oh, I know how they do it with the tight dresses, oh the stiletto God. heels, you know, moving their, you know, shaking fake, their booty, fake eyelashes, injecting their lips, getting Botox. Does that really attract men? Do uh, women like that kind of thing? You know, those men, big men, fake men, eyelashes. Men are, and, men are visual. 100% we're visual. Uh huh. So if you sort of redirect blood from one head to the other, we're probably <laughs> interested, right? And 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 I th- and I think the reality is that men would I don't think men are hypergamous. We look at probably how physically attracted we are to someone. Mm-hmm. But in return for having that person in our lives, we're willing to give up our paycheck. Like here, I, I'm willing to support you, your family. Let's let's do this. You know, it used to be I'll support you and our family, but that's not the case anymore. So it's just the difference in the genders. In like sort of like a male male culture it sounds like um, the head male culture there's a I don't know it's a predominance of uh, I'm going to take care of this woman yet what really happens is that the woman is the head of household oh 100% and the, the man's gone yeah I think women definitely run households more often than not yeah no they do yeah. they do that's a fact I mean that's that's recorded in census data mm-hmm. every 10 years um, the same information comes out. Um, we, you don't. If anything, you see a shift. Oh, people are having. There are less babies being born. And oh, that's actually a really good statistic. I was. Mm-hmm. That, that that's true because as um, women are being more successful in the workplace, uh, some some people are choosing not to to have children, mm-hmm. and they're having an agency over their bodies. Yeah, correct. They don't have you know nowadays with birth control they mm-hmm. can you know be intimate with as many people as they want and not get pregnant. And well, can men use condoms? They can. And yeah. there should be a pill for men. How come there's a pill for men to, you know, get an erection? But there's <laughs> not there's not medicine for women to they that is uh, how do I say this? Most medicines that are developed are developed studying men, mm. not studying women. Women started being studied maybe 20 years ago. Well, so a hard, high blood that, pressure right? pill. Because we have birth control. Women have yeah, yeah, but that's the thing, right. So men's sexual pleasure trumps medicine that women need. Uh, that Well, women nowadays... I'm, now I can't think of an example, but I, have, I do have examples of well, this. Well, women nowadays are, are having sex for just sexual pleasure, too. That, that, that's what's changed in society. Women are... M- right, they're more liberated and have agency over their bodies. And they're, they're sleeping still with, with many men. At how It used to be the other way around. Like Men used to sleep around a lot. Yeah. Now it's like everyone's just sleeping around with everyone. Okay. And there's this whole conversation about you know body counts. Like, how many people have you slept with? Really? Oh, yes. It's a real thing. It's, oh, it's man. A, it's kind of a turn-off. So really. much for liberation. Well, it, well, there's a thing with... like. If you're going to do a body count, that's not a liberation. There are people who are, you know, they're trying to get up to 100. Well, you know, like it used to be that girls who, who slept around, they were called sluts. And sure. boys who slept around were like, oh, they're Don yeah. Huangs. They're su- successful. Right. That seems to have disappeared, right? That women who sleep around, they're just sleeping around, just like men who are sleeping around, sleeping around. That's sort of the thing. Though. And right. I think that, so that's positive in a way. But if it's gonna, if it it gets reduced to the undi- the indignity of, oh, I've slept with, you just said a number, a hundred people. There, there are women who are chasing the hundred number. Well, you know, Magic Johnson, remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, he made a big deal that he had slept with, I don't know, sure. thousands of women in his basketball career. This guy has HIV. Right. Uh, and it, uh, and he's he's doing well uh, in terms of his health. But what a grotesque thing to boast about. What yeah. a grotesque thing to even do. So I'll give you perspective. Mm. 
I think on average, you can take just about any woman on this planet, someone who's not so attractive to, to a 10, and the majority of the time, if they were to go somewhere, say like a bar, the majority of the time they would go into a bar and pick someone and say, hey, would you like to sleep with me? They would probably get a yes, more often than not. Okay, I'm I'm talking about someone who's not so attractive to someone who's very attractive. Go walk okay. into a bar, female, yeah. mm-hmm. and go, "Hey, you, love to take you home tonight. What do you think about?" Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that they would say yes more often than not. Take males, <laughs> zero to tens. Call the police. I'm being harassed. Exactly. If you walked into a bar, let's say a two, a male who's a two, right? He's he makes thirty thousand dollars a year. He's uh, chubby short and drives a crappy car mm-hmm. goes into the bar and tries to pick up a woman more often than not it's not going to happen so there's this conversation about access to he sex. can be a 10 i gotta tell you he can be a 10 oh i've seen 10s i'm nope no i'll disagree with you 100%. yeah yeah I've a t- seen, uh, I've man who's it. a 10 can walk into a bar and approach a woman and say i'd like to take you home well and l- the woman l- will l- say yeah let's say let's say they can walk into a bar and approach many people mm-hmm so if the one can go or two can go in there and approach five or six women, probably say no five or six times. The 10 walks in, he's probably going to get someone on the hook. Well, then that's because there's a woman who's at the bar who's looking to have sex. Hypergamy. And so she'll have... Uh, they're looking for someone who's more attractive than they are in a different social class. That's, that's where I sit with that. I think women are attracted to attractive men and would take the opportunity to get that. And I've seen it here in Holyoke. I've seen it in Springfield. I've seen it in a lot of places. This is why these men buy the cars that they do, dress the way that they do, you know, get their hair done and all that stuff. It's, 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 it's the gross reality of what's going on right now. Once again, I feel like we're ending this podcast with <laughs> you bumming me out. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've lived it. It's, 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 not, it's not a great world. It's not a great world. I, you know, as a, as a teenager and, you know, young woman and, you know, um, I have, I've always felt like maybe I'm a, I think I'm a solid four or five. And este, that's all I want to say right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's different everywhere. I mean, we're, we're in a competitive world, and I think that, um, you know, what we look for in partner ch- partners change over time. Yes. But what we're seeing is the young girl mm-hmm. who had a child or two mm-hmm. turns into the 25, 30-year-old who may not be able to support herself. Mm-hmm. Now looking upon someone else to date to then come in and provide financial support for a family that that man did not create. Yeah. And that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. But, you know. Can we go? Yeah. Is it time to go? I think so. Doing good. Yeah. That's episode two. We really didn't uh, get into anything better in services, but we will. Oh, that's right. That's the whole part. That's the point. (laughs) Anyway, Natalia, it was nice talking to you. It always lots of fun. Jesus, always a pleasure. Take care. See you guys later.